BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. How's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you are all well. Uh, we apologize for those who are tuning in live. Um, we've got we've had a little bit of some technical difficulties, not really on our end. It's uh, for those who tune into the live YouTube uh, show. YouTube has changed their kind of rules about streaming and all of that, and their style of streaming um, that literally changed as we sit here on Thursday night. But uh, we're we're trying to get we're trying to get going with it, and um, hopefully you're able to see us. Uh, well, hopefully you're able to see me, and hopefully you're able to hear my usual co-host John Sheeran. Because of this situation, we have John joining us by phone. We're still trying to figure everything out. John, are you there? How are you, buddy? Uh, I am here. YouTube and Google could not hold us down completely. The show will go on. The show must go on, as, as Leonardo DiCaprio would say in the uh, Wolf Wall Street. The show goes on. Yeah. Um, there, you know, this has been, um, you know, it's been a little bit of a messy past couple of days for, for you and or I, mostly me, because of this situation with YouTube and Google. But also, um, you know, I, I did some traveling yesterday. I'm not in my usual spot. And, um, you know, we just we we had kind of an arrangement beforehand, but um, because I had to kind of switch it up and it just wasn't working, working out. But um, I'm glad you were able to join, John, um, even if it's if it's by phone, we don't get to see your beautiful face and Randall's beautiful face this uh, this week. Uh, but... I'm sure the viewers are very grateful that they can't see my face. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but just on tap tonight. Um, we're going to maybe keep this a little bit abbreviated. Maybe we'll get to some listener questions at the end of the program. We'll see. But we're going to talk, uh, obviously, the A.J. Green situation, an ever-changing situation, it seems. Uh, and then John has been at Bengals training camp for the past handful of days to see things live. He's going to uh, show us um, – he's going to walk us through a few things, some sights and sounds and observations from camp. And then we will, uh, you know, we'll get you all that information. You can get this show if you're new to it on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. You can also get it on Spotify. Uh, I think I said Stitcher. If not, you can get it on Stitcher. Yeah, you can get it on the Megaphone platform as well as, uh, I think, on YouTube, based on what YouTube has done to us today, uh, as well as on CincyJungle.com. So we look forward to uh, continuing to bring you the content that we usually do. Um, just stick with us as we work with some of the other platforms we use for the time being. John, um, you know, we've, I, I don't want to talk about this really uh, from 
I mean, I think it's been talked about from a lot of different standpoints. Um, I don't want to talk about it ad nauseum. I'll get your initial reactions to it. Uh, AJ Green, we, we've put some content on our feeds about the AJ Green injury as it occurred over the weekend. Obviously, pretty pretty bad deal. Uh, and in true Bengals fashion, it especially in recent Bengals fashion, it seems, it uh, slowly snowballed into a bigger issue than um, I guess it was initially reported within the first 24 hours. Turns out Green has a, a little scope of the ankle and, um, you know, there's there's more rehab to be done there than originally thought. Your, your thoughts and feelings on that, I mean, I want to talk about more ancillary things surrounding this injury with you later on, but, um, I mean, I guess this is where we got to start. Yeah, it's just it's just same crap, different year. There's nothing really more or less yet to say about the situation. It sucks for Green, obviously, because he's in the middle of negotiating his third contract, and who knows if, if this injury is putting out on hold or anything. Um, obviously, he's not going to play this entire season. Hopefully, that you know he comes back for his handful of games, rushing back necessarily because they're still working on contract negotiations and they want him healthy for the next four or five years, not just for the next. 13 or 12 games where he's going to be able to play. But it's up to him and, and, and his now, unfortunately, uh, team, as much as his teammate Tyler Eifert. But yeah, like as soon as you heard that, you know, he, he had like a little, little ankle, you know, or, or, or little, little minor injury there, it's usually just protocols to assume it's worse, and that's naturally what happened. It also didn't help that they were on a different practice, even though. The conditions of Welcome Stadium had nothing to do with the injury, even though none of us really saw it. Just kind of unfortunate. Everything. Yeah, it, like it, it sucks for the fact that we were going to see how this offense, with, with our own eyes, looks under Zach Taylor, and, and obviously Green is the you know the, the the engine of this offense and what makes it go. And then now we're gonna now we're gonna have to see what it, what it looks like. We have Josh Malone and Cody Core out there instead of um, Jay Green. In power, uh, two exterior wide spots. So all those factors combined, it, it thinks. Yeah, obviously the extension is kind of, uh, kind of, you know, the now in, in flux because Green um, has, you know, injured his ankle. He's now, you know, he was he was on IR for you know 2016 and 2018, and now he's starting the season. It sounds like he will be missing the first game, if not maybe more. Um, I mean, so. Do you, based on the fact that this kind of started to slowly snowball into getting a little, I mean, it was like, ah, he'll be out a month. Uh, Well, maybe it'll be towards the regular season, but he'll be ready for the opener. Uh, Now it might be a few first few games that he's out. Are you, are you optimistic now that it's kind of settled down a little bit that, you know, that's going to be it. He'll be back by maybe worst case scenario, October. And, you know, because of that, there shouldn't be lingering effects or do you, because it's an ankle, because it's the Bengals and how they have, uh, 
worked with treatments with teams? Do you feel that this is something that um, is going to be just not a good situation for the team and AJ Green in 2019? Man, are you kidding? I'm waiting for them to announce that he's on IR. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for them to amputate the ankle entirely. Like, no. In all seriousness, like, I, I think it should have been just safe that, you know, it was they weren't originally diagnosed because it's just the expectation for this team and the training staff in general. Um, it, it was interesting how when Zach Taylor was talking about it, he said he'll be back for, like, the, the end of like, the first half of the season. I might be paraphrasing now a little bit, but it was a little bit of a wake-up call. Like, but, yeah, what if it's more than just, like, a, the first couple of games? I would assume that he's coming back after worst-case scenario of the, the third regular season game. I think there's going to be some sort of emphasis, you know, after starting off potentially, you know, they, they start off at Seattle, they play San Francisco. I'm not sure who they play week three. They play Buffalo. The week four. And obviously, they play Buffalo week, week, week three. So, you know, it's debatable how easy you would consider the beginning of that schedule. But things will definitely kick up when they play the Steelers. Obviously, it's always a competitive game. It's always a game that the Bengals should, should try to win. And, you know, I think that's going to be an emphasis for Green to come then. But obviously, with, with it being an ankle, it's something that's hard to kind of rush back on, especially one that is more serious than, than we originally thought. But I think that is secretly the plan for, for what they have going on right now. If he can get back by the Pittsburgh game, if he can at least crack the team beforehand so they can be comfortable playing um, during that game, I think that is the plan going forward. But if he ends up missing more time, then it, that's just the way it is. There's just nothing they can do about it because – it's just an injury that uh, it's unfortunately um, unpredictable to predict, uh, you know, about a certain comeback. But I think that would be the rough plan going forward for what the schedule looks like. Okay. Um, I'm already seeing, you know, uh, one of our listeners in the live YouTube chat kind of said, uh, why is it so ne- Why are you talking about negative things and why so negative? Kind of spin this in a positive and it has been the dominant headline for the Cincinnati Bengals. So, um, you know, to maybe appease some of those fans out there who are craving something optimistic out of this. One of the one of the things I thought about was, hey, you know, this could be a very uh, to me with Jonah Williams gone, Clint Bowling gone, AJ Green potentially missing the first couple of games. This could be an incredible it's a t- it's been a tough road for Zach Taylor, but it can it could be a very interesting situation, a very good opportunity for him to uh, really put a stamp in the league for his for his reputation, saying, you know, all of these guys are out and all of a sudden the Bengals are competitive. They're winning games with the without these guys in the lineup. I mean, is that is that uh, kind of just a pie in the sky way of looking at it, or is there at least a little bit of validity in your eyes um, that hey, you know, maybe there is a little more depth than we think. Maybe this coach has a little more prowess and uh, innovation than we think, um, or is this just season doomed kind of before <laughs> before it started? <laughs> it's, it, it, I mean, it's hard not to look at it that way because it's your first round. <laughs> there. It is your best to be out there. And as we've seen, you know, teams who don't start hot have the season more times than not, they end up to the playoffs. And I'm just thinking I'm going to go it's without A.J. Green, but it's more of a possibility now that go. So, yeah, there, there is some validity with, with Zach Taylor's whole 
reputation be, you know, uh, of how he can manage to still put points on the board because for is to make this offense more efficient because they've been so lackadaisical in, in terms of just scoring, finishing drives and whatnot, and it's hard to do that without your best player, without your best player. So there's more pressure Zach Taylor, on Tyler Boyd, now that he's getting paid like a, like a big-time receiver, yeah. there's more pressure on Tyler Eifert to stay healthy, there's more pressure on C.J. Zellman for the same reason as, as, as Tyler, Tyler Boyd, excuse me, more pressure on Joe Mixon, there's more pressure on Andy Collins. So, it, yes, there, there, there's obviously, you know, Zach Taylor's in a bad situation, but you know, a lot of these guys on offense who, unfortunately, you know, the Green has been carrying at times throughout the last couple of years, there's more pressure on them to actually step up and, you know, fit into the system very quickly and very rapidly while Green is, is still nursing that ankle. I'm mainly focusing on Dalton because, as we've seen, you know, the winning percentage with Green without Green is, like, dropped by, like, 20. Yeah, you didn't mention him, but I mean, I know, I know he was probably in your list, a laundry list of big year four, and that's that's John Ross. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that, he's another guy that yeah. you know he obviously has not practiced uh, because of a hamstring issue. So, um, you know, with AJ Green out, the spotlight is now once again on another top ten wide receiver for the Bengals and um, a top ten pick that is. Um, and uh, time's kind of running out there in terms of patience. But I guess where I was going with that is, you know, I think back to Marvin in 2003 when he took over a, a team that was, uh, you know, 2-14 and 14 the year before. Um, you know, I think that – I think you, lo- you, you kind of look at it, and if – that year Marvin Lewis won a coach of the year award, if I'm not mistaken, NFL coach of the year for going eight and eight, almost getting them into the playoffs. Had they not lost that final week, you know, I kind of look at it as this, this could be a similar type of opportunity for Zach Taylor. If he really can get this team, pull it up by the bootstraps and uh, get the defense playing better, maybe getting more out of some of these guys that you mentioned, or, you know, some of those other guys end up staying healthy Whereas they were out of the lineup along with AJ in in years past, um, you know maybe maybe then you know there's there's some slack that is picked up because other guys just happen to get healthy. But overall, not a good start to training camp. Kind of cast a pall on the first day. Um, obviously, a freak accident that just in the news kind of was a little scary. Then it got really scary. Then it's kind of like, well, it is what it is right now. But as of now. It seems like uh, AJ Green will be back probably in from when he suffered the injury anywhere from a month and a half to two months. We'll see though. That is a fluid situation. Ankles are tricky, um, but on the other side, we've seen you know a lot of people loud AJ Green for his ability to rehab, his conditioning, all of that. So um, you know, like you mentioned, John, there's a lot of there are a lot of things in motion here. You know, the conditioning aspect. Um, that, that comes with training camp, not that Green's a, a heavier player that's out of shape, but that aspect, the playbook, all of that, um, that has to be taken into account. But uh, that is what it is right now 
um, with the Cincinnati Bengals and A.J. Green. We're going to get to more training camp headlines aside from the A.J. Green news because John Sheeran has been at training camp. So uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But uh, before we do, just a reminder that you can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify. You can get it on the Megaphone platform, on the Google Play app. You can also get it on YouTube and on CincyJungle.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. John, I'm going to let you kind of take the lead here uh, because you've been at Bengals training camp. I, I mean, there are so many places we could start. I guess we will go a little bit with um, who's impressed. Let's, I mean, let's just kind of start there. Yeah, this focus for now was on the receivers and out there replacing starts It's Cody Cole, Josh Malone, who are on the outside, the split end and the flanker positions, if you will, along with the slot. But actually, when they go into 12 personnel, when there's only two receivers on the field, you still have Cole Malone out there and you have Boyd uh, on the sideline. And I thought that was interesting because last year when, when Brandon LaFell got cut, John Ross was dealing with injuries, along with A.J. Green when they're in 12 personnel. But they're, they're keeping both in right now, and I think that's just a testament to, to keeping the offense the same structure, assuming that everybody's healthy, and giving core and balloon opportunities to thrive. And both those guys look decent. They haven't really stood out in any way should perform so far. But the main receiver that's, that's staying out is Damian Willis, the, the undrafted receiver from, I believe it's Troy. It was him and Stanley Morgan that were the two undrafted receivers that got a lot of hype this offseason. And right now, Willis is taking – in that second receivers in the ton of balls he's just making something happy incredible one-handed grab on the first day of had practice and I know he was a guy that they liked a lot in OTAs and the obstacle program so I think he is the one guy right now of that group could make a push for roster spot amongst the guys that weren't here last year and on the, on the defensive side of the ball there's another undrafted guy that's really impressed me and his name is Noah Dock. Was linebacker who I think was on the NFI list right before training camp started. But honestly, I'm just looking at okay, what athletes do they have at that position? Because they know we know that they have Malik Jefferson, we know they have Jordan Evans, two guys, two athletic guys that aren't aren't exactly clicking yet, and they're getting reps. And Jordan Evans is getting reps with the first team, but Noah Dawkins, at least in the third team uh, defense, at least in special teams, he's looking like an athlete out there. He's looking like the best guy out there, and when he's driving back into coverage looking very explosive coming downhill to make a lot of plays in special teams as well. I think he's going to be a guy to definitely watch in the preseason. And lastly, I'm also looking at the, at the, the uh, defensive line, specifically with the rotation of the interior rushers. Behind uh, Gino Atkins, Ryan Glasgow, Andrew Billing, you have guys like Christian Ringo, Reynolds Wren, who I know that you like a lot, and uh, Andrew Brown, who are all getting pretty equal time with the second and third team. Uh, and they're all rotating pretty health, healthily out there, and they're making plays in the running game. They're getting off the ball quickly. They're getting off the blocks quickly. Now, granted, it was only one 
had to practice, so we're not seeing a lot of exposure with contact with these guys, but at least they're, they're seeing equal opportunity. They're looking very healthy. That's very important for Andrew Brown, who's coming off the injury. Also very important for Ryan Glasgow and Carl Watson. Both those guys are coming off a torn ACL. It doesn't look like they're losing, they've lost really any athleticism. It doesn't look like it looks like they're pretty much close, or if not all the way back to 100%. So that's definitely a plus if they can get those guys back immediately for you know a full week one return. So overall, the, the defensive line's looking pretty good. It's pretty much a, a consistent theme from what I've seen from uh, training camps of the recent past, mainly because the offensive line hasn't really been that good and it's still kind of in flux. But those are definitely the guys that have stood out to me so far. And obviously, it's still early in training camp. But if you're going to make an impression, you might as well make an early one. Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways we can we can take this and segue it. I mean, one of I guess since you were just talking about the defense at the end of that little part there, um, you know, I, I want to. I mean, is there a noticeable difference? Jesse Bates said there's more accountability. Um, there is some additional talent that have been there. Some of these guys that flashed last year as rookies are are in their second year and getting bigger roles. Carl Lawson back from an injury. I mean, is this defense noticeably improved? from what we saw throughout much of last season? Well, I'll tell you this much. I believe it was Zach Taylor who said that the defense won the first day of pads. That like they, if he was keeping scores like 18 to 3, it looked closer to the 21 to nothing. And I don't know if it's more on the offense just looking just bleak out there with, with any quarterback behind there. But the defense is looking fast. They're looking spry. Nothing really exotic in terms of looks from what I've seen. They've mainly just been in nickel personnel, just an even man front. I haven't seen any exotic fronts. haven't seen any crazy stunts or anything. But the defense is mainly right now just in nickel personnel. They're keeping a single high look as they're playing, you know, cover one or cover cover three uh, shells back there. Um, I, I've seen quarterbacks move both sides of the, both, both sides of, of the formation. So you know, you're not, you're not sticking William Jackson on one side for the whole game. Uh, but they're letting Bates, you know, be that true center fielder back there as a free safety. Uh, the, the, you know, the defensive line's looking pretty good. You know, it, it, uh, it's hard to notice accountability, at least from from an outsider's perspective. So right. I can't really comment on that necessarily. But I mean, they're looking fine for how much training camp that we've seen. And again, it, it's hard to judge the defense so so quickly because we've only seen more game ads. But you know, it, it's important that obviously Lawson and Glasgow are looking healthy again, and they're, they're looking pretty close to 100 percent because. You know, just, just the addition of, of those guys back into that rotation is going to help with the defensive line a lot. And uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen a lot from Jermaine Pratt, who I, I, I personally have high expectations on. I think he's still coming along because he, he was injured a little bit during the offseason. And he's not getting any looks in the first team yet. I think it's still Jordan Evans who is getting that opportunity along with, obviously, Preston Brown and Nick Mitchell. But uh, overall, I, I can't really complain about much. The secondary is looking good. The defensive line is looking good. Linebackers are still work in progress, which I guess is about all we could have expected at this point. Yeah, and we've said, uh, you know, if the if this defense even plays at an averageish level um, or slightly above average, I mean, that is a big, big improvement off of what we saw last year with this defense, and uh, really could go a long way in getting this team to be back to being competitive once again. Um, talking with John Sheeran here. I'm Anthony Cazenza on the Orange and Black Insider. Thanks for those of you tuning in live. We're talking about training camp observations because my co-host has been at camp for uh, the past handful of days. Um, You know, you mentioned some undrafted low round guys who are looking good. Uh, You know, you talked a little bit about the wide receivers. I guess let's kind of focus in on that because of the spotlight on the AJ Green injury. I, I had kind of seen some pictures of and some film on Alden Tate 
Um, that's it's obviously a big year for him. You talked a little bit about him, but he almost looks a little bit trimmed up uh, from last year. I don't know if that if you've noticed that. Um, but how how has he in particular looking? Because I think this is also a very big camp for him. Uh, not not only really to make a potential impact, but really to make the team because you mentioned some of those other undrafted guys that uh, this this new coaching staff really likes. Yeah, I, I did I did see that uh, picture of tape, or maybe it was a video of him up close. And I think last year was listed around two thirty. Probably looks closer to two twenty two fifteen now, which obviously for for what he needed is it, good. He's he, because on on special teams, he's not getting those first team reps with special teams. He's still with the second unit in that regard. But, I mean, he's looking fast enough. And I think that was the point that uh, Darren Simmons mentioned in the offseason. We don't need necessarily four, 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 five guys to contribute on special teams on Tatis fast enough. And at least on special teams, he's looking, he's looking fine. Like, uh, And, again, he's not with the first team. He still has the, the staples of that unit. You have uh, Clayton Fedulam, Cody Core, even Hardy Nickerson is still with, it, still with them. But Tatis seen a decent amount of, of opportunities on special teams. Again, he's with the second team offense and I haven't seen any drops yet um, as, as a route runner as just an athlete as a receiver he's looking okay obviously the, the jump he needs to make from year one to year two specifically for what he lacked uh, last year um, is obviously critical I still think that he's right now I, I, if I were to project the roster right now I would probably put him as that number six receiver right behind Cody Corey and Alex Erickson but obviously uh, uh, as I mentioned Damian Willis is making a run for his job right now but I like what I've seen from Rod Tate so far. Um, definitely looking leaner, definitely looking a little bit faster, which for his case is not that hard to do because he was just so slow <laughs> coming out of that SU. But definitely special teams is where he's going to make his money, is where he's going to end up making the roster, and at least you're giving them opportunity to do that. And from what I've seen so far, it's been nothing but good news. So no Jonah Williams because he is out with that uh, shoulder surgery he had um, earlier in the in the offseason a few weeks ago. Um you mentioned Jermaine Pratt, a little bit of a ghost so far in terms of practices. So I guess the naturally then where the eyes got to look in terms of the rookie class would be Drew Sample. I picked him recently as a potential breakout candidate because of the the. Uh, I, I think there's a potential there for the team to use this guy in a lot of different ways. But how, what have you seen out of him? Um, I'm sure there's a lot of play action uh, type of plays and short passes probably completed if they are to him, but I'd like to get your take as you are there at training camp. Yeah, I actually did see him catch a downfield route the other day. It was like a little 10-yard, little 15-yard out route that he caught in a contested situation. Uh, I, the, the big thing I liked about Sample, not only was he an excellent blocker coming out, but he was also an above-average athlete for his size. And he definitely looks, look, looks the part there. He's also got looks on special teams as well. He's right now firmly the third tight end on the depth chart. Right now, they're like rotating Uzoma and Eifert as your number one tight end when they're in 11 personnel. When they're in 12 personnel, when they have multiple tight ends in the field, Sample is almost always out there, either with Uzoma or Eifert. I've only seen uh, Sample uh, lined up as an inline guy, not necessarily off, off the line of scrimmage or in the spot or anything. So I think they're just keeping where he's most comfortable at right now. And obviously, his biggest asset is as a blocker, and we just haven't seen that much uh, you know, blocking and contact with and whatnot with that. But Unfortunately, I wasn't really noticing him in, in during those run plays. But as you know, specifically for run blockers, if you don't notice a guy, he's not getting blown up. It's more times than not a good thing. So there, there is the, there is the thing with the Bengals and the second round picks and just ending up having a lot of contributions in, in, in their rookie year. And like you said, 
Pratt may not be, you know, developing as a starter. Obviously, Williams is out. Samples, Samples is the guy where they have a lot of investment in it and could potentially have a big opportunity for him in the season, especially if, you know, Eifert gets hurt or is more limited than, than we want him to. They're going to need help from him, you know, establishing the run in, in, in this offense and giving you Zoma some help with whatever he needs to. So, so far, no, nothing too good, nothing too bad from Sample. But again, it's still early, and I'd, I'd like to see how they further utilize him as, as a pass catcher because the only time I've really, ever seen him catch the ball is just, off, you know, a little bootleg play action where he's just a little dump-off guy for five yards and gets some yards after the catch. So if that's how they use him, that, that's fine. You know, that's basically what he's used to. But I need to see more of uh, I need to see him more as a run blocker, and that will just come with time and the further that camp goes on. So let's end this conversation on, uh, with with a couple of different aspects centering on possible pleasant surprises. Anything on the offensive line, obviously the biggest question mark in terms of a position group on the team. Anything on the offensive line that you've seen where you, you're saying, hey, things aren't as bad here as they seem, whether it's an individual or a specific, you know, the two unit, the one unit, whatever that may be. Um, anything that's kind of grabbing your eye in a positive manner there? Um, well, I can't really say that with Bobby Hart. I've seen him get beat a couple times, yeah. but again, positive, positive. Got to say the positive. Um, haven't seen any major losses from Christian Westerman. Same thing goes with John Miller. Both of them were actually pulled for both false starting for a play, but they were immediately back in. And I guess you could look at the start training game as a positive for Westerman because he has uh, played with the ones in back-to-back practices over John Jerry. I know there was going to be a competition there, and they were potentially going to rotate them you know, day in and day out. But if you were to give one guy the edge of the other, probably Westerman over Jerry, I think they're just giving Westerman more chances to succeed because they know who Jerry is as the veteran, the guy with more tape. Uh, Cordy Gunn looks fine. Um, uh, obviously, him staying healthy and him staying spry and athletic is key. Um, and also, you know, the, the undrafted guys, uh, uh, Keith, Keaton Sutherland and O'Shea Dugas are both getting uh, second-team looks at right guard and left tackle specifically. Uh, Andre Smith actually got second-team reps at left tackle, and I would have to say in the limited sample sizes that I've seen, Dugas looks like the better player right now at, at that position, even though left tackle is not necessarily Andre's natural position. But Ken Perkins is still at second-team right tackle. Michael Jordan is at second-team center for the time being, while Trey Hopkins is starting at Billy Price's uh, sideline for the moment. So, Again, like the, the usual suspects are basically performing how we how we're used to seeing them perform. We haven't seen really anything good from Bobby Hart, but for, for the rest of the line, you know, no, nothing too dramatic to take away from it just yet. Obviously, you know, in these one-on-one situations in practice, the defensive line is going to look a lot better because there's not that much that the offensive line can do. They're still building chemistry with one another because again, this is a different permutation from from what we've seen from last year, but. Nothing too dramatic to take away from it just yet. So let's let's kind of end some training camp observations with this. I mean, does this team? I know it's easy to go to the camp and be excited and get caught up. Uh, you know, as as hey, you know, football's back. The Bengals are back. There's a new coach. But is there, as you've watched these practices, is there a noticeable difference in the team, maybe from last year to this year, and their performance on the field? Is there a noticeable? Is is this does this look like a team that is different? That is different in a positive way. That is actually better than some of the concerns that a lot of people have about them, especially those noting that this team might be a three and thirteen team. Not us, but others I, out there. I just don't know how you can answer that after like four training camp practices. Yeah, especially just one where they just put on pads. But I know people are dying for this, and 
one, one thing I do notice that they're noticing the clocks. They're noticing the clocks on, on the training camp fields. And, you know, they're rushing that through the, the, the point. They're, they're, they're looking at those two-minute drills and they're looking at, at the sidelines. So, um, no, I, like, again, it's hard for me from an outside to see any difference in overall energy and attitude on So uh, We're not in the locker room. We don't get to see how these guys, you know, interact with the coaching staff and whatnot. But it, there's nothing that's been too different from what I've seen in terms of just overall structure from comparing this training camp to past Marvin Lewis training camps. Again, like n- nothing too dramatic, at least from my eyes. Like, like we know where this team is good at. We know where their strengths are. We know where they're where they're weak at. And it's still extremely early in camp, and, and just and, and we haven't even got to the preseason yet. So I, I, I just think it's too early, kind of, to answer that question and to kind of alleviate some some of our worries in, in those regards. Like the, the quarterbacks aren't really giving me a lot of faith in that regard. So specifically, the backups. Nothing is really separating. You know, Jeff Driscoll from Ryan Finley, and I, we haven't seen anything really special out of the offense yet. They're still digging their hands in, into that, that playbook or whatnot. But overall, like the energy's not bad. I, I, I guess there, there's nothing. You know, there's there's nothing from from what I can see where, where there's chemistry issues or, or anything like that. But again, I just I just think it's a little too early to to possibly dive into that answer. I guess. Well, there you have it. Training camp observations from uh, the horse's mouth, so to speak. John Sheeran, my co-host, has been at Bengals training camp for the past few days and uh, given us all the news and notes. I assume you're going to be going uh, probably a few more times, correct, John? I will not be going on Friday, but I will be going on Saturday for the family day and then a couple practices after that, so yes. Cool. Well, we'll talk more about that in our next episode, too. So appreciate the insight and all of that. Uh, This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran on the phone this week, and I'm Anthony Cazenza. You can get the show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Spotify. You can get it on the Megaphone platform as well as YouTube and on Cincy Jungle. We're going to cut this episode a tiny bit short for a couple of reasons. One being that this is a new platform that the YouTube channel has thrown at us. So we've we've had a couple of technical difficulties, and I apologize to our live listeners and to those who listen to the show after uh, after the fact. But I appreciate the patience. I appreciate the uh, the kind words that I've seen in the chat room. Uh, also, it's tonight. This Thursday is the Hall of Fame game, so it's the first night of football being back for 2019. So we want to let you go if for especially the live listeners we want to let you go and watch that game uh, check it out how you can and uh, we you know we we want to have you enjoy football maybe maybe you've started off your football by putting that game on mute watching it and listening to us maybe that's that's probably the best way to do it but before we get out of here John there's one more final thought that uh, you know, a lot of people are bringing up in the live YouTube chat, and that is a lot of talk about Chad Johnson kind of jokingly tweeting, hey, Bengals, blah, blah, blah. You know, AJ's heard, I'll come play for free, just buy me McDonald's. Well, it turns out Zach Taylor apparently got a hold of Chad. Um, what that conversation exactly was, we don't know. But a lot of a lot of our, our listeners are thinking that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that? Is that just, uh, you know, another – a young head coach that's going, uh, showing kind of his, he's a bit more in touch with things than his predecessor, or uh, is this kind of just much, much ado about nothing? Yeah, I, I, I feel like Taylor has nothing to lose by accepting Johnson in this situation. Like, obviously, it's obviously great PR for, for, for himself and for the team in general, because you're right. We, we're just, we're just like, 
the, the coach who was out of touch and subject he always had a great relationship with, with Johnson, but I don't believe he was ever invited back in this capacity. It was interesting how Chris Crocker was invited back as a coach, but it wasn't actually because of Marvin Mar- Mar- Lewis' connection or Bengals' connection. It was because of a, of a Lou and Arumo connection, because apparently he played under him during college. But, you know, obviously bringing Chad back into the fold and, and Zach Taylor establishing a good relationship with him sets, sets the mark and sets the precedent for future situations like this. So uh, other... Bengals legends who maybe haven't been recognized necessarily by the organization and in a worthy capacity are more comfortable of, of reaching out to Taylor and the organization in general about coming back, about giving back to the current team in, in its current state right now. So J- Johnson being back there, helping out those younger receivers, I think that would be fantastic. Obviously, he should be always welcome for the organization for what he did for them. But th- this is just an easy PR win for Taylor, and there's just you know, he, can, he has everything to gain and really nothing to lose by allowing this to happen. And like you said, like he's, he's young. Uh, I, I would assume that Sean McVay would do something extremely similar. Like, like did you see what happened with, with the Rams? Like Steven Jackson signed a one, one, yeah, one day contract yeah, to retire the yeah. Rams, and then he was like out there with, in the practice field taking like one final handoff. I, I, I think that's just a culture thing that Taylor is very much accustomed to and is very open about, and that's definitely positive for this organization going forward and, and, and this coaching staff. That's a good precedent for other players like Chad Johnson eventually coming back and giving back to this organization and, and this team. Yeah, we, what's kind of cool is we've had a couple of the past greats, Willie Anderson and Anthony Munoz, on this program. And, uh, you know, I, I think guys like that, Chad is obviously one of uh, their best players that they've ever had as well. Um, you know, you, you would you, – when, when we've talked, I bring those two names up, not to name drop, but I bring those two names up because – We've we asked them a little bit about you know the the honoring of, of past guys and how they feel about it and um, you know it would be nice that would be another nice notch in Zach Taylor's belt if he is able to um, you know get get some of these past greats in there and really kind of change the management mindset create a ring of honor or something like that obviously that's going to be a long game to play but um, you know I think that this was kind of a, a neat maybe a little baby step in that type of direction um, and I, I think it was I think it was pretty cool and obviously a guy like Chad who didn't end his Bengals career necessarily on the best note you know he was kind of just shipped off and you know 2010 was a bad year his final year here so um, you know, I, I think that's kind of a nice olive branch. We'll see what happens with it. I'm sure Chad will probably be invited to training camp and kind of hang out with people. That'll probably be as far as it goes this year. But like, like you were saying, John, I think it's a nice baby step in the right direction and really the right thing for the franchise to do to pass it, uh, to honor their past grades. But thought it was worth talking about. A lot of people brought it up in our live YouTube chat and, uh, you know, kind of a nice little moment of levity in, in what's kind of been a little bit of a, a cloudy, to use a Marvin Lewis phrase, a cloudy uh, training camp. Um, but uh, appreciate the insight, my friend. We'll see you next week, and hopefully we'll we'll see you and not just hear you. But I appreciate you joining us, um, and uh, appreciate all of our live listeners as well. We'll see you next time. This has been the Orange and Black Insider. Enjoy some football as it returns this weekend.